You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm Jim Friend. As I record this week's episode, we are here at the International Catholic Stewardship Conference meeting with many pastors, development directors, and parishioners who are advancing our church all around the country. Today, I'm joined by Debbie Leverton, who is the Director of Stewardship for the Orange Catholic Foundation in the Diocese of Orange, California. I sat down with Debbie just before the conference began to learn more about Debbie and her role in the diocese. Debbie is a spirit-filled professional with tremendous experience in parish stewardship and fundraising. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. And so, without further ado, here is Debbie Leverton. Well, we are live here at the 2019 International Catholic Stewardship Conference, and I'm live here with Debbie Leverton from the Orange Catholic Foundation. Uh, And Debbie is the Director of Stewardship. Welcome, Debbie, to the program. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. We're glad to have you here. So tell us a little bit about uh, life in the Diocese of Orange. What's happening? What's new there? Oh, my goodness. Well, the one big thing that no one can miss right now is that our new Christ Cathedral was just dedicated on July 17th during the summer. So uh, it was seven years in the making of a capital campaign, fundraising, planning, all of the steps you take through construction and renovations and the whole campus being you know, under renovation can imagine. to finally in July, we were so happy to host 3000 people to come and help us dedicate our new Christ Cathedral. So we are thrilled about that. And that's really been the main focus for the last several years. Although, as you know, all of the ministries still continue at the pastoral center with our Bishop Kevin Van. Mm-hmm. Um, we've all been working and, you know, working on our ministries out to the parishes. We see that as our core mission is to serve the parishes. And then also at the same time, we're trying to build recognition of the cathedral itself as the home for our diocese and this kind of the center so that we all um, support that as well and come and enjoy it and attend services and other events that they have there. So it's all in a process of building right now. Wow, sounds like a huge project. So, uh, was this the uh, a, a new? This is a new cathedral. Uh, was it the renovation or it's a brand new construction? So the story is that mm-hmm. it was. If you if you remember uh, Reverend Robert Schuler, mm-hmm. who uh, had started the Crystal Cathedral Ministries, he actually uh, purchased that property where we are now, which is thirty five acres, um, in probably the sixties and slowly built a campus uh, on that property. And so the actual building that is our cathedral is the former Crystal Cathedral that used to be uh, Dr. Schuler's home base. And he had a, a televangelist ministry called Hour of Power that is still being conducted today by his right. grandson. I've heard of it, yeah. Um, Bobby Schuler. Mm-hmm. And um, so... Unfortunately for the Schuler family in 2012, the ministry went into a bankruptcy proceeding. And um, 
our bishop at first, even though it was suggested to him to look at it because we were interested and have been working on a cathedral site for many, many years, um, really didn't want to go down that road because he was afraid it would look like, oh, the Catholic Church is stepping in on someone else's hardships. And uh, so it took a little convincing for him to really consider it. So that property was acquired by uh, our diocese. It was in a bidding process, and the other main bidder at the end was Chapman University in Orange. And uh, Dr. Schuler and his wife actually were the final vote with their board to have it go to the Diocese of Orange because he wanted it to continue to be a place of Christianity and evangelization. And he actually spoke to our priests and told them that before he passed away, which was beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of handing it over. And so we have this beautiful property. And next year in 2020, the ICSC conference is coming to Anaheim. That's right. And so we will be inviting everyone to come over for liturgy and to be able to tour the campus and and see it as it is now. Finally, the cathedral is renovated. It's beautiful. And... Um, and uh, so we'll be happy to have everyone there to join us and, yeah. and see the new cathedral. And and our bishop will be there to uh, celebrate the liturgy with everyone. Well, that'll be a great celebration. And the Diocese of Orange is, I believe I saw the seventh largest diocese in the country, 1.7 million Catholics. It's not quite 1.7 million. It's okay. more like 1.3, oh, I think. But okay. still, that's that's a significant number sure. because okay. we aren't that big. We mm-hmm. broke off from L.A. in 1976. We were one of the regions of uh, Archdiocese of L.A. So in 1976, it was decided that Orange County should become its own diocese. And so... Um, we aren't really that large. You can drive across our diocese in 45 minutes if there's no traffic. <laughs> if there's traffic, then it would be much, much longer. Mm-hmm. And there is traffic, you know, during the traffic times. Sure. And um, so we have 62 parishes and centers, but all of our parishes are quite large compared to sometimes I hear in the Midwest or on the East Coast. Um, our parishes are, are all like average of 3,500 families wow. and some much larger than that. Like Christ Cathedral itself has uh, 11 liturgies on the weekend, English, Spanish, and Vietnamese. So they have about 11,000 people that come to Mass there on the weekends. Incredible. Yeah. So that's one of the big ones. And we have a few others that are quite large as well. So that's where it adds up. The 1.3 million Catholics are kind of a number that is estimated because we actually don't have that many registered families. We have 200,000 registered families. Okay. So, um, but that's like guessing as far as uh, demographics go and um, like the census and all of that, trying to figure out, you know, exactly how many Catholics are, you know, claimed to be Catholic or raised Catholic. Um, so the ones that aren't actually active are the ones that we are actively trying to evangelize and uh, in fact, that is our bishop's number one priority right now, which I think is a lot of the bishops, is evangelization and discipleship. Wonderful. And, and is Orange County uh, continuing to grow, or has it kind of leveled off? No, it is yeah. continuing to grow. Wow. Um, I think we have about 3.1 maybe one or 2 million people mm-hmm. in Orange County. So out of that, like 1.3 are have been Catholic, say they were Catholic, born Catholic right. <laughs> or some Catholic at some time of their life. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you, you mentioned uh, a significant um, uh, Vietnamese population and yes. and uh, Hispanic population. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the Spanish 
uh, speaking population is the largest of the three mm-hmm. of, of the English, Spanish, and Vietnamese mm-hmm. now. Um, they are close to 50% of the Catholics in Orange County. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a great opportunity to reach out to them and make sure that we are um, keeping them, um, you know, keeping them in the fold and that, you know, that we respect them and offer programs and masks and all of our religious ed, everything is, is offered in actually four languages in our diocese. But but we do have very large, we have some parishes that are Spanish-speaking only. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that makes it interesting as well, sure. you know, to tailor programs for everyone. Yeah. And uh, then the Vietnamese population is about 17% of our diocese. Our diocese is actually the largest uh, community of Vietnamese in the country because it was in the 1970s when the people were leaving during the fall of uh, Saigon, uh, they were coming here. There were a lot of them that were coming here and being sponsored in, I mean, by saying here in Orange County. Uh, we had a lot that were sponsored there, and then the families came. And so we have a huge population of Vietnamese, and many of them are Catholic, not all of them. We have a large number of Vietnamese priests as well. I was going to ask you so that. That's, that's great. something different than other dioceses. If you come to our diocese, probably about a third of our priests are Vietnamese. And we appreciate them so much. And, you know, they're very faithful. And my pastor is Vietnamese as well at my church. So we love him. And and, uh, we really appreciate their ministry in our diocese. Such an important contribution. You know, I'm, um, I'm doing a project in the Diocese of Green Bay, and we have 28 uh, international priests that serve nearly a third of the parishes in the Diocese of Green Bay. And without them, many of the Catholics in that diocese would not have Mass on a, on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. so such an important ministry and contribution it they're is. making. You know? It is. We also have a Vietnamese bishop, auxiliary bishop. Oh, great. So out of th- our three bishops, mm-hmm. um, one is Vietnamese. Okay. And um, we had the first Vietnamese bishop that was ordained in, in Bishop Dominic Luong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been about 15 years ago, but he passed away a couple of years ago. And now we have a new Vietnamese bishop mm-hmm. to replace him. And luckily, when he came, I was so happy to hear, and he talked to me and told me he he, is, he was formerly a pastor, and he is a stewardship pastor from um, Florida. Oh. And so he knows what it's like to have a stewardship parish, and he knows the challenges, too. So, so you must have clicked with him right away. <laughs> I clicked with him, and I was very excited mm-hmm. and told him, oh, good, you can help me with this. And he's like... We got to take our time, <laughs> one step at a time, because he understands, you know, what it means to really build that way of life. You have to be committed to it. Absolutely, yeah. So I'm just thankful for him. So tell me a little bit about you work for the Orange Catholic Foundation. Uh, how long has the foundation been in ex- existence? The foundation has been in existence since the year 2000, and it was originally formed to. Um, house endowments and build endowments, um, bequests, handle bequests, plan giving, kind of things like that. Um, and then within, so by 2007, there was a person hired who uh, became the um, executive director of the foundation and came with the concept of um kind of expanding the role of the foundation to be all the fundraising arm of the diocese. So that happened in 2007, eight around there. And, um, and that was, uh, you know, quite a journey 
going through that. And so now, from then until now, we have, under the foundation, have our uh, Bishop's Annual Appeal. We just completed a For Christ Forever campaign that was a $120 million campaign for the renovation of Christ Cathedral. Um, we also do have, I think we have a hundred funds now under the foundation and many of them are school endowments. Um, each one of our schools has an endowment, so we're, we work with them to help build them. So we have a full service foundation, mm-hmm. which is kind of a newer model, right. you know, in the last five, six years. Sure. Um, that really we say we're the fundraising arm for the diocese. And so we're very, um, diverse in what our responsibilities are. We also have planned giving. Um, we have actually a wills and trusts week coming up in October, later in October, twice a year, once in the spring, once in October. We have um, every day of the week, there's two sessions in different parishes. And it's amazing how many people come to that. Uh, they get advertised through the parishes and we get 60, 100 people that come to these, and we have attorney, Catholic attorneys mm-hmm. that uh, present to them and help explain why it's important. So helpful, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. a great opportunity to just to educate people and let them know that you know, the mm-hmm. diocese is an opportunity, or their parish, or their school. Yes. They had to have thought exactly. it in those terms. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, as they're doing their own planning, they also think about, oh, you know, I never thought about before to name my parish or, mm-hmm. or a school or the diocese or even the foundation, you know, mm-hmm. in their planning their mm-hmm. final planning absolutely so um so debbie you are the director of stewardship mm-hmm. and uh, tell us a little bit about your role at the foundation okay i have uh, i'm responsible now for parish stewardship education and i have been um since about 2003 even before uh, because i came to work for the diocese in 2001 and then in that time that all of the uh, fundraising and stewardship were put under the foundation in 2007-8. Around there, um, I continued my work with the parish stewardship education now under the foundation, and we continue to do that now. So it's been many years uh, on this road, even before I was there. And um, also, um, up until now, we have been responsible for the Bishop's Annual Appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some transition coming up um, in this next year, so we're working through that to see how that's going to play out. Um, but we'll continue to support that in some ways. You know, um, We have Razor's Edge, our database that houses all of our donor information, and we, we really um, have a team that keeps our database at the highest integrity and you know, clean at all times so that mm-hmm. we um, are are communicating well with our donors and um, keeping them in the loop of what's happening in our diocese. Um, I also uh, help out with um, parish capital campaigns, so I help in consulting them, um, what steps they should be taking to make sure they're doing their due diligence to know what they're doing as they move forward. Um, what kind of goals they're going to have to have, how much cash they're going to have to have, what the diocese requires before they can actually do their program or their building. And uh, so I work with that, trying to help keep them organized and also reporting back what their results are, um, you know, to the diocesan finance area as they they like to keep up on that. So I do that too, and I also... um, just work within the operations of the foundation itself to make sure we're the highest quality of communication, 
highest quality of customer service to the parishes. I always remind our staff, and they remind me now too, that you know we're here to serve the parishes and schools. It's not the other way around. We are there to serve them. So when someone calls, someone needs something, we immediately get back with them and just have a really high uh, standard for customer service in our organization. So important. And, uh, you know, being at a foundation that has been around for what, about 19 years? About 18, years? 19, 18 yeah. 19. I mean, that's a nice legacy, too. Yeah. I mean, people know who you are. Many of the foundations that we see um, are, are just kind of popping up around the country now, um, mm-hmm. sometimes as a reflection of what's happening, mm-hmm. you know, in the church today. But uh, you, you have the benefit of that track record, of that history. So people know who the, your foundation is, the role that you play, and have gotten to know you, which is so important through stewardship and fundraising and, and all mm-hmm. of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it does help when they have a familiar face and a name. <laughs> and it's quite interesting when I go out and people will recognize me and I'll, I'll be taken aback a little bit. But it's, it's, it's a good thing that, you know, we have recognition and that, you know, they're happy to talk with us and, and we're happy to help them so that they trust us as a partner. We're trying to be there for them and, and help their efforts go well at the same time as meet the bishop's vision and mission that he has for the diocese, which are sometimes the overarching mm-hmm. goals, um, where sometimes the parishes don't see that. We try to help communicate that and also give donors at parishes an opportunity to support something that they may not have before. If it's for the bishop, you know, if he's... You know, we work closely with the leadership of the diocese to find out what their priorities are. We have a new strategic plan that's just being launched right now, and so the, those priorities are are being communicated out to the parishes, and we're also trying to align our efforts to that strategic plan to make sure that we're um, following what his guidelines are now going forward, what his, his goals are for our diocese. So important, and you can act as ambassadors for the bishop and help him mm-hmm. communicate that plan out to the entire diocese, which we is do. so important. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Debbie, as the parish stewardship director, tell me a little bit about your philosophy of working with parishes in a stewardship model. Uh, well, my main philosophy is that stewardship is not about raising money. It's about spirituality. It's about recognizing that everything we have is a gift from God. And that, you know, God expects us to use those gifts that he's, um, he has given us um, in every way, that recognition that everything we have is from him, and to turn them around and use them to build up the kingdom in our diocese and in the world, really. Um, so I really spend a lot of time on that, and, and that can be challenging sometimes, you know, with the pastors, um, because sometimes they'll call with a, a question in mind that, because they have a problem at the parish or they need to fund something. You know, you can help me, you know, and I, oh, we can do it this way. This is the way we lay the foundation so that people understand it's from their heart. It's a conversion process that, you know, we're trying to teach on a, on a yearly basis, all year long, not just asking for one thing, but trying to teach people, you know, what it means to be a good steward and um, and then they'll they'll have better uh, results as well as uh, a more engaged parish. So I really come at it from a spiritual place and also a place of engagement. And I try to help them understand what engagement means, how you build engagement, um, what opportunities there are to grow that, and 
what tools we have that we can help you, you know, grow engagement of your parishioners. Because I, I sometimes go back to the Gallup data that they have that was mm -hmm. published within the last 10 years that say that on average, 16% of Catholics are fully engaged in the life of the parish. So that means a whole 16, right? 84% <laughs> are somewhere down the line, either right. Partially engaged or not sure. engaged at all. So we have our work ahead of us. Yeah. And um, there are parishes that, you know, I've been so blessed to be involved with International Catholic Stewardship right. Council for so long because I've met people from all over the country and I see model parishes and I say, it's possible, it's possible, we yeah. can do this, you know. And I use their statistics in my presentations, show them what's possible, and they kind of look and like, really? You know, mm. I'm like... Yes, this is possible. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, I don't just tout the Wichita model all the time, but other, you know, single parishes here and there that have really grown in stewardship and engagement and what it looks like in their parish, what's possible. And then I have a whole program um, that I've put together. And again, I've gotten the um, information and the inspiration from other directors from across the country. We all share our materials. So, you know, you kind of build your own custom program based on what you think will work best in your diocese. And we put that together. We have trainings. We have materials that we offer. And we lead them through the whole process of, of an annual renewal, asking mm -hmm. people to prayerfully discern what their commitment is going to be for the parish going forward and for their own faith life. Um, so in that way, I, you know, have kind of a comprehensive program where I have the stewardship renewal. We have conferences, we have regional gatherings, we have clergy days, we have days for the lay leaders, um, and just helping support them and keeping them going, you know, faithful on that journey. Um, it, it's not all of our parishes that are on that journey so steady. So there's always some that have been there and now they're kind of waning and they need to get back on or um, some that have been more steady. And then, you know, so it, it requires some oversight and um, kind of being the coach. Like yeah. you're like, no, come on, let's you can get do back this. on this. Yes. You can do this. We got to get back on track. It takes time. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the way I approach it. And those are some of the tools that I offer. Yeah. So I, I love everything you've said. And, uh, you know, this idea of an annual renewal is so important. We've talked a little bit about it on the program before, but maybe you want to say a little bit more. I mean, for me, uh, when I've talked with pastors, I don't think it's too much to ask the parishioners once a year to think about yeah. what they give to the parish and putting that as part of their stewardship plan. What are your thoughts? Mm -hmm. Well, I... I have a story I, I tell to the other pastors of my own pastor because when we rolled out this program in 2008, my parish was the first one to be like the pilot parish for it. And my pastor then was very nervous about it, although he wanted to do it, and he was supportive of stewardship. We had a stewardship committee we had been working on for like three years before we even attempted this. We had a... a we had an update of our census before we did it. So we had a total uh, re-registration of the parish and updated our database so we had good information. And um, and then we planned this renewal. And we I have scripts that I include. And so I had him review the script. I wrote 
out a script for him because he was nervous about it and said, this is how you handle it. And this is how it actually plays out in the Mass. It's going to happen during the homily time. We we're going to have an announcement at the beginning saying today's Stewardship Sunday, Commitment Sunday. Everyone's going to be turning in their commitment forms, so be ready for that in the middle of Mass. So it kind of prepares people. And then um, just laying it out for him. And uh, although he was nervous, and he was going to be the main celebrant at every Mass that Sunday, so that was a big commitment on his part. We had six Masses. And um, the first one, he went out and he used the script and, you know, had practiced it himself and was ready. And he led people through the process. And after Mass, he came out and he goes, Oh my, that wasn't so bad. And, <laughs> and he goes, Not one person came up and complained afterwards. And I go, Exactly, because yeah. it makes sense to people. It's not something foreign. It's like, Gee, God has gifted me and he's asking me to use my gifts. Right. It's easy to understand, but sometimes we just bypass that opportunity. We don't take the opportunity to ask people, like you said, on an annual basis. Um, and otherwise, um, People don't really know if they're not guided what they should be thinking about how they should be committing themselves to the parish, whether it be through ministry, through um, their time in prayer, or adoration, you know, mass. We as a faith community, that's not part of our normal, the way we communicate with our people is to suggest to them what to do. And I, I try to help the pastors understand why it's important to set those expectations. Mm-hmm. You don't require it or make it mandatory and say, everyone do this. It's more invitation. And so he was so thrilled after that weekend because I think we ended up with something like 500 or 600 commitment forms. That's impressive. And and he was so excited because like, thank you for helping me do this. And so I kind of use that story Mm -hmm. going forward with the other pastors. Like if you're nervous about just know, you know, that other people are too, and, and they do it. And, and some of them don't aren't nervous, and they're very good about picking up and going. Thank you. I have mm-hmm. now. I have something I can go forward with and and request from my people. But it it's not just that's not all there is to it. Is asking for the commitment form. Then you have to follow up, and you want to send a thank you. You want to communicate back to them. You know that you know what they've just committed to, right? Because that way people go, oh. Father so-and-so knows that I'm committed to this. Mm -hmm. It's not like anyone's going to send you a bill or a statement or anything, but it's the commitment itself, I always say, is a commitment between you and God, but the pastor is, you know, acknowledging it and and making sure you're appreciated as a parishioner that your commitment is important to the parish as a member of the parish, that you're part of the parish family. And otherwise, we have people come and go, and they don't really feel like they're asked to do anything, so it makes it easier for them to just come and go, and they could be doing that for 20 years. Right. And I I know that does happen because when we do the renewals, uh, we've had people come up and say, I've been here 18 years, and I've never registered. You know, so they just have come and go and, you know, maybe not be that involved um, or maybe a little more involved, but they've never registered for the parish, never really said, I'm a member of this parish, you know, and I want to I want to commit myself to this parish and help it grow. So mm-hmm. that's really what it's about. So, Debbie, tell me a little bit about uh, the other side, time and talent. How do you work with uh, pastors to 
uh, get parishioners more involved with the ministries at the parish? Mm-hmm. Well, our renewal is not just a financial commitment. It's a time, talent, and treasure, all three mm-hmm. together. Great. So, um, again, it requires making sure that they understand that uh, it really is bigger than not just the pastor and the leadership at the parish, but the the broader ministry leaders in the parish, that they understand that we're, we are um, growing in stewardship as a way of life. So the, the ministry's leaders themselves need to be um, trained or, you know, invited into this way of life and understanding that this is the path we're going forward Mm -hmm. so that they can be welcoming to new people coming in and not be like, well, we have enough people, we don't need anyone. So you really want to make sure you're prepared before um, that your ministers are well-trained and well-versed and on board and, you know, that they're welcoming people that want to be become part of that ministry. And understand stewardship and can help you be ambassadors, yes. right? You're, you're kind of growing yes. it out. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So so through that, that's important because if, if the pastor says, I'm going to do this and just goes out and does it, it could be a disaster because if people sign up for a ministry and put their phone number down and no one calls them back, that might be the last time they ever put their phone number down. That's right. For the next 20 years, anywhere mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. So if they don't receive a, a welcome you know, a cheerful voice welcoming them to come and learn more about the ministry. So that's what I really promote with the pastors, that they have to be ready for that. Um, So I will even go out, and I've had um, ministry days, stewardship days for the ministry heads for a parish. They'll bring all their ministry leaders and whoever else is coming from that ministry and just talk about the spirituality of stewardship, what it means in the parish, what it looks like, what we're going to try to do going forward. I lay it all out. And, you know, they get excited about it and they'll say, oh yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And I don't have too many anymore that when I ask that first question, what what does stewardship mean to you? I don't have hardly anyone that say fundraising or money. They'll say using our gifts or, you know, God's, everything we have is is from God. And I'm going, well, wow, you know, they do. They're getting it. (laughs) I'm so thrilled um, to hear that. But we really work on that, the foundation with the ministry leader, the wider ministry leaders. And then again, you know, to make sure that those people who sign up for a ministry are contacted, are welcomed in. I also recommend term limits in ministries so that you don't have the same people there forever. Um, totally you know, agree. That's something that is a little harder to manage for pastors because it can be tricky for them, you know, to ask someone to term off. And mm-hmm. but but you know they do. It depends on how strong they are and and how committed they are to it to make it happen. So um, that's how we do it with the, as far as the ministries go. And to also recommend a ministry uh, guidebook of some kind so people can always know what ministries are available, who the people are that are leading them. Um, it can be put in your welcome packet for new parishioners that are coming right, in. That's yeah. right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also I recommend a uh, welcome table of some kind out at the parish so that people have a place to go and ask questions after Mass um, instead of having to go to the parish office that may or may not be open or it might not be open when it's convenient for them. 
um, if they work during the day. So uh, my parish now, I'm pleased to say, has a like a concierge table set up, and it's really pretty nice. Also has a big TV screen set up behind it that they have, um, you know, um, streaming videos or pictures on it of What's ministries and things like that. Yeah, yeah, great. So they're they're actually doing that. And uh, other parishes, I recommend that they do have something available actually on the weekends is when most of the people are there so that they can ask questions and be invited in. So there's different ways of, of doing it in the parish with ministries. And again, though, I think the key is to make sure people are welcomed and that part is managed well and that that stewardship education continues. So we're all on board with this and you know this is what we want for our parish we want our parish to be vibrant and welcoming and that's and only then is when evangelization is going to take place um, because our faith isn't just meant to be kept to ourselves it's right. to spread so yep. if people aren't um, brought along with that in the in the teaching um sometimes they don't feel comfortable reaching out to someone else because they haven't done it before so you know, if you help them experience that, then that's when I think people will talk to someone else or invite other people. And and that's that's what Gallup says, that the fully engaged parishioners are the ones that invite others and who um, invite others and um, help others grow in their faith. And that's how you build your parish. So, you know, it, it's just ongoing formation all the time and, and commitment to it. I, I love everything you're saying because a couple things. So the evangelization component so important, right? You mentioned the parishioner who, uh, or the the family that may have been coming to a parish for 18 years, but up, oh, I never never bothered to register, yeah. right? Now that yeah. person is part of the family and part of the exactly. fold because of this initiative, right? Yes, yes. And then that welcoming table and uh, just the the whole evangelization evangelization really being at the heart of why we do stewardship and and also um that stewardship is so uniquely catholic right because we know that what makes us catholic is that faith without works is dead so the works mm -hmm. of charity and the things that happen through uh through stewardship are so key and central to our i think our identity as catholics and it helps people grow in their faith when they are uh, suddenly challenged to, oh, maybe get involved in that outreach program or go help build a house for a family or, you know, bring boxes of food mm -hmm. for those that are less fortunate. Um, and, you know, you see people who for the first time try something like that, they're just like, so excited about it and it's yes. like changes their life you know mm -hmm. it's like wow I, I never thought about it before I just came to church and left but now I actually have a purpose here and I'm helping build the body of Christ by doing this so mm -hmm. yeah it's it's pretty exciting yeah. I, I love to see that so um so Debbie uh, let's say a scenario goes you get contacted by a pastor and you sit down with him and he says I want to begin stewardship mm -hmm. at my parish where do you where do you start with them I have a toolkit mm -hmm. of information that's like well first of all you got to think about starting a stewardship committee mm -hmm. and I can come out and talk to those people and get them formed and you know help them understand I provide agendas for meetings prayers um I have all kinds of materials to support them with that, like an org chart, what it looks like in mm -hmm. the parish. And um, and then I'll just walk right 
beside them, you know, as long as they need me. Like I said, I could have a ministry day where I come out and present to the ministry leaders, um, help suggest, like, maybe have a parish mission on stewardship or um, other ways of promoting it and, and having it have more of a visible thumbprint in the parish. Like, suddenly, oh, this is something not... You don't want it to be just new and fall away, but something new that we're growing in. In fact, this year, our annual renewal, the theme for it is growing in a new way of life. So from young people to older people, sure. just kind of growing in how we live out our faith and and what that looks like. And We can um, all do that at any age. You're right. Yes, that's right. So I like the word growing. And in Spanish, the word growing is crescendo or something with a different ending. Mm -hmm. But I thought that was so beautiful because crescendo Mm -hmm. sounds like, like the, you know, the fulfillment of something. The apex, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so for the Spanish speaking community, I think that will be meaningful for them with that word. And I don't know what it is in Vietnamese yet. Mm -hmm. Um, although I wouldn't probably be able to say it very well. I wouldn't do it justice, Mm. but we, we do, we do translate and try to make culturally significant the materials in at least English, Spanish and Vietnamese for um, our diocese. For our annual appeal, we include Korean as well because we have a um, small but significant Korean community that participates in that. So mm-hmm. we do translate in that as well. And uh, have stewardship in, in your diocese, has it, uh, you feel like it's taken off and most of the pastors feel pretty comfortable with it or where are you at Well, now? you know, the pastors change. Sure. Over years, mm-hmm. so um, and some are younger and new coming in, and some are older and retiring. Like some of my good stewardship pastors, it's like I'm retiring. I go, no, you can't leave. <laughs> Please don't. Please leave. stay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that's challenging because yeah. in our diocese, a pastor moves every twelve years. So they have two six-year terms. So after six years, they're evaluated, and they may or may not stay there, but most of the time they do stay for the second, which is a total of 12 years. Mm. So after 12 years, you know, it can take years to build this, as well as other things in the parish, Um, and then suddenly they're moved to another parish. So they usually will take it with them and be open to it at the new parish, but you know, it takes them time because they want to get familiar with it and kind of get an idea of who the people are there. And um, so um, I would say now, yes, the majority of our pastors totally understand what stewardship is. They understand what's required. Um, but it just depends, again, on what's going on in the parish at the time, how committed they are to it. Some are very consistent and keep it going very well. Some kind of will trickle off with it a little bit, especially when there's a parish capital campaign going on. You don't want too many things going on, right. you know, where a lot of activity of Confusing meetings, messages, confusing. yeah. Confusing. Mm-hmm. So uh, they might put it aside a little bit during that time. But again, we also recommend that the stewardship messaging be in all their capital campaign materials mm-hmm. and that you continue to teach through that. Mm-hmm. So it really is up and down. And uh, we have 62 parishes and that includes three Korean centers. Mm-hmm. So out of those, I would say right now, two-thirds are 
on the road. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. And they order materials every year and mm-hmm. they do, they, they have their unique observance, I call it. So they do it however works best for them. Mm-hmm. At our Christ Cathedral, the rector, Father Christopher Smith, he is awesome stewardship priest mm-hmm. and he fully plays out the stewardship renewal every year in all three languages because he has all three language groups. And um, he'll take what I give him and then he'll build off that. He'll make a different theme like for three weeks in a row talking about stewardship and he does a good job. That's so he's wonderful. he's a good mentor and example for the other priests. Mm. He was the vicar for priests that one time too, so he's Oh no wonder. Yeah. Yeah, he's used to working <laughs> with them and helping them. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, Debbie, the um, you know the scandal in the environment that we work in now in the church has kind of impacted all of our dioceses. It's nowhere to hide from it these days. Um, you know, we've seen dioceses obviously are dealing with it from a diocesan level, and some unfortunately some parishes have to deal with it if they have an issue in their own parish. Um, how are you finding working in this climate uh, in the diocese of Orange? Has it been a has it been a big issue, or how have you all been impacted? You know, it came out like last year. Around this time, wasn't it, when it was coming out again? The grand jury. Um, yeah. Pennsylvania grand jury, yeah. Um, and so, thank goodness for our annual appeal. That had already kicked off. It really hasn't affected our annual appeal. This time, I was around in 2003 and four when it originally yep. came out, when mm. it really did impact everything. Out of Boston, yeah. We had a lot more letters. We had a lot more people unhappy. Um and this year we have had not, I mean, there's still those who will communicate, but it, it, I can say I don't think, I, I don't see an effect on our annual appeal that has grown. Great. Um, and our our uh, bishop has joined a cohort of dioceses in California where they have this independent um, group of attorneys and experts that are um, opening up for people to make a claim if they want, Mm -hmm. if it never got considered before. Mm -hmm. So he's being very, he's very involved in that with the U.S. Catholic bishops as well, pushing to make sure that we're being fair and just with the victims and, you know, making sure they know that, that he cares and he's going to do what's right for them. So I, that's been pretty widely publicized in our state. So, um, I'm hoping that that puts people's at minds. You know, everyone is always upset around that that issue, of, of course. course. And it and it has probably changed a lot more than we even realize. Um, you know what people's behavior actually is, but we haven't seen a huge dip. I mean, we've seen like other dioceses across the country. What the the trend seems to be in annual appeals is that the number participating are going down a bit because mass count is going down a little bit, like 2% or something. But the dollars raised are higher. So those who are giving are giving, giving more. more generously yeah. and giving at a higher level. So in that way, we're, we're maybe the stewardship formation is helping because people are becoming more generous and mm-hmm. understanding that out of gratitude they're giving back to God. Um, but we haven't seen significant impact now. Mm-hmm. If you ask the bishop, he might say something different because sure. <laughs> he gets to talk to everyone all the time, and I'm right. sure they come up to him. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I, I think um, from my perspective, it hasn't been overwhelming. I think it's been handled well, mm. a lot of good communication, and still a lot of good communication going on. 
That's great. Well, accountability and transparency are obviously the key to it, but um, I believe that stewardship and evangelization is going to help to pull us out of this. And the formation that you're doing now with parishioners and uh, priests certainly is going to make a huge impact in all that. I agree, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, we have to keep it going. We have to. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Debbie, uh, kind of wrapping up here, uh, if uh, a diocesan stewardship director is listening to you now and they're thinking about, you know, what kind of services should I be offering to, to my parishes or how do I get started in this? What, what, what are mm-hmm. your thoughts? Um, I would say uh, start out with just creating maybe a little toolkit that's for the pastors. You don't have to have an elaborate manual that's like 300 pages or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You can start towards just creating some pieces that are um, helpful to them. Um, Like I said, mine was like an agenda for a first meeting for a stewardship committee or recruiting, helping them to recruit how they go about that, um, setting up um, what would be the responsibilities of a stewardship committee, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, where I've learned it from are other people in other dioceses. So sure. reach out to yep. other people. I mean, I would be happy to share what I have, um, but others too have, have been my teachers over the years. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how I learned it. And that, you know, if I had started back then and never had any association with ICSC or the people I've been able to meet through here, I don't know what it would look like, quite honestly, right now. <laughs> if I was left to my own yeah. ideas, because this is where I come to learn, and even now I still continue to learn. So I would say reach out to others, and and everyone has a very um, willing spirit in sharing, and and it's great networking, and those could be your friends as well. Come in to ministry. Come to Anaheim next year. Come right? to Anaheim, please, <laughs> September 27th through the 30th, 2020. Yes, and then you can come and see our beautiful new cathedral. That's right. Yeah. Well, Debbie, it's been a pleasure to have you on the program today. Thank I you. really appreciate all your insight and everything that you're doing in the Diocese of Orange. Thank you, Jim. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Enjoy the conference. Thank you. You too. I'm excited. I want to thank Debbie for being on our show today. If you'd like to learn more information about Debbie's work or her foundation, please visit orangecatholicfoundation.org. Thanks again, Debbie. Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and to Pottery Studios for their support of our show. And just a reminder, don't miss our new sister show, Changing Our World, the podcast with Scott Kaskoski. You can subscribe to both our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Over the next few weeks, we'll be featuring more interviews at the International Catholic Stewardship Conference, as well as the NCEA Seton Symposium, which was held in Washington, D.C. this past week. Our very own Brian Crimmins provided the keynote. And if you'd like more information about our podcast, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for the past 20 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it. Have a great week, everybody. Take care and God bless.